Gabriel Stelian Shanks, the Artistic Director of the Drama League in New York City. Welcome to Talking Direction, the behind-the-scenes podcast going deep into the worlds of theater, film, television, and online content to celebrate directors, those visionary artists at the center of the plays, musicals, movie, and television shows enjoyed around the world. Each week, we welcome acclaimed guests to explore imagination, risk-taking, and craft as well as looking at the past, present, and future of the creative industries. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. We're available on all platforms or by visiting dramaleague.org. Thanks for listening and for talking direction. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Talking Direction. I'm Nylan, the Associate Artistic Director of the Drama League. My pronouns are he, him, and I'm your host today. So we're going to be talking about undergraduate directing programs today. And before we get started with that, we just need to say that we know there are 101 ways to become a director. Uh, Some directors are self-taught. Some take the apprenticing route. Some learn while pursuing an entirely different career or major. And others, well, they hone their skills from a graduate and or undergraduate program. Obtaining a Bachelor's of Arts or a Bachelor's of Fine Arts is a popular and trusted option for many aspiring artists. Now, with the changing landscape of the American theater and the new demands on the job of director, it makes us curious about what is being taught at these institutions. You know, how do these programs mold the directors of tomorrow? And what responsibility do they have to their alumni to help them enter the workforce? Now, we've reached out to some of the top theater undergraduate programs across the U.S. offering directing as a major to answer some of these questions. Today, you will hear from colleges and universities across the Northeast. So let's meet our guest today. From Temple University, we have Professor Marcus Giamatti. How are you, Marcus? Very good, thank you. Uh, Thank you for asking me to be here. From Pace University, we have Professor Adrian Kepstein. How are you, Adrian? I'm great, and thank you also for having me. Joining us from Fordham University, we have Professor Elizabeth Marjid. How are you, Elizabeth? I'm well, Nyland. Glad to be here. From Muhlenberg College, we have Professor Dr. Beth Schachner. Thanks for joining us, Beth. I'm excellent and really delighted to have a chance to hear what other um, people are doing with their programs in this moment of change and adaptation. Rounding out our panel today, we have Professor Jill Stevenson from Marymount Manhattan College. Hey, Jill. Hi, it's so great to be here. And like Beth, I'm really looking forward to hearing what everyone else is doing and uh, just sharing our experiences. After asking how the colleges and universities of our guests were operating during this time, we found out that Temple University was completely remote. While others were experimenting both with remote and in-person social distance learning. So let's begin by each of you telling us what kind of director you are molding in your programs. The American theater at large produces interpretive artists. Arts education leans hard into reading comprehension and articulation of other artists' ideas and works, creating an artist with strong interpretive skills. Whereas if we look to South America, Europe, and Africa, we see an directorial focus in arts education in creating a generative 
artist. A director using found or self-created methodology to create devised pieces of art. Now we know both artists can be widely successful. So what kind of artist is your program producing? Interpretive or generative? Adrian, how about we begin with you? So in our program, uh, we have, it's again, two separate degrees, but very linked. So it's the BA acting and the BA directing program. We're part of a bigger pace performing arts, which is actually eight different uh, degrees. We're the only um, BAs. The directors take three years of directing. Their first year, they take all the acting classes with the actors and also those same performance ensemble classes. Um, in their senior year, uh, directors and actors work together in a, a, a culminating class of this performance ensemble series where they create um, original adaptations of short stories and small ensembles. And uh, we call it the Night of Original Work. It's the Now Festival, so a sort of festival of original pieces. And like I said, simultaneous to that, the directors then, um, as with the actors, are t t getting a, an interpretive training of you know text-based work throughout. So for us, it's a really interesting dance, and sometimes it can be confusing <laughs> in a very short time for students, and sometimes it can be really enlightening. But to sort of give them the perspective of what is it to be you know, working from a pre-existing pre script or building that script. What is an ensemble director's role versus a uh, quote-unquote traditional director's role? Um, and I find that what's really exciting, I mean, there's many exciting things, but one of the things that's so exciting is just the doors that working in the generative way opens to so many facets of the of storytelling. You know, so even those even those who are training as actors have the opportunity to see what it is to build a story. And those training as directors have the opportunity to understand what it is to not be the only voice in the room. What is it to give space for other voices? What is it to facilitate the creation from, a, from the actors? Um, anyway, so yeah, it's, it's, an, it's a sort of an exciting mix of, of trying to weave those, you know, two entry points to theater making. Yeah, I, I can speak. This is Elizabeth from Fordham. I, um, I can speak to this also. Uh, um, yeah, Fordham's program is somewhat similar to the directing program in pursuing also those two tracks. The, um, the first year uh, students all from all the different tracks, because Fordham does have a directing, playwriting, performance, and design track, um, all have a full year course called Collaboration that's team taught by two professors and all the students and it does focus on generative work, on uh, collaboratively created work. And so the students sort of begin by, by sort of developing those skills for how to work together and, and in fact, devise and create um, original material. And so um, then the directing students in their second year would really sort of would take two, two courses. One, which is, in fact, uh, a course that focuses on original creation and generative work um, using uh, some of some of the work from tectonic some of the moment work training but but blended into a number of other uh, approaches and exercises um, and uh, and then the students also the directing students also take a class uh, which begins with a text that they study for the full semester and in fact work on building toward um, production approach and scenes and design and all of that. So essentially the second year of their training is, is following both those paths. 
And I would say that uh, I, I, w- I would agree that the training that they're getting I- in the generative work, you, you can sort of see how that creativity and sense of collaborative spirit um, really uh, bleeds into all the other work they do, even when they're working, you know, beginning with an extant text. Yes, Jill from Marymount, please take it away. Yeah, this, I'd like to build off of that too. Um, the, the word collaboration has come up a lot and that's something that we really um, reinforce in a lot of our courses at Marymount. Um, our directing concentration is one of five concentrations in our BA um, and we also have producing and management, theater history, uh, writing for the stage and a theater and new media concentration. And then we have BFAs and acting, musical theater, design, and tech. And so the students have a lot of opportunities to work with each other. Um, And also our curriculum requires them to take courses in a lot of different areas. So every student, regardless of any of those BAs or BFAs, takes the elements of directing course. So they all have that experience directing um, and they can see what that work is so that they can bring that to their own craft in whatever area they're doing. And um, like other people who've, who've spoken have said, our directors also take acting so that they are with the actors that first year and they're also learning the language and the processes and things along those lines. But the students are required to take design courses, stage management courses, um, and really we try to emphasize collaboration and community building so that then when they are working and are you know, doing uh, sh- scenes that are 20 to 30 minute short plays for their directing three class that they will produce in our box theater, um, they're working with student stage managers, costume, sound, lighting designers, um, and they're working with each other. And they continue that um, some of our directing three students also collaborate with our advanced playwriting students so that they are part of kind of the generative, they're seeing how playwrights create work and they're part of that process, even if they are, you know, there as a director. So, you know, in addition to other things such as we have a lot of 48 hour play festivals, uh, we have a campus up at the Bedford Hills Women's Correctional Facility and we do some shared work between those campuses. Um, There are opportunities for the students, you know, as you said, to be both generative um, and then also that kind of more traditional approach. Um, This is Beth, and if this is a reasonable moment, I'll jump in because we actually have moved in a um, complete overhaul of our curriculum even before pandemic curriculum. Um, We moved away from concentrations, which we did have, into kind of what we hope is a more flexible, collaborative and maker approach so that you can still certainly have a sequence that moves you through acting, directing, um, to become someone who um, has techniques and tools and interests in both the interpretive version of directing a play as well as the ensemble or group-generated Uh, project or devised event. Um, So we actually are looking at more the sort of performance studies undergraduate umbrella, uh, as opposed to what we used to have, which was a slightly more traditional mainstream theater theory, history, and dramatic literature focus. We're also using this moment to try and respond to both the changing world, obviously, 
and our students' concerns that we be more actively, clearly, and centrally anti-racist. So we are trying to do all those things. And we, the faculty and some guest artists often do main, what we used to call main stage, but we have uh, turned the digital season over to the students who I think are doing an amazing job. Um, I had a student who did love and information in a wonderful way through Zoom. And I had another student do the very disturbing uh, copic white plague, which was seemed like really redundant when you were watching it in a terrible way. Um, and I guess also just we have extended ourselves into um, new courses. For instance, I'm teaching for the first time ever something that we're calling virtual directing and devising. I'm co-teaching with Herzen Huben, who is one of my lighting design collaborators for the last decade. And um, we're working to figure out how to engage liveness, not necessarily synchronous or live, but the experience of liveness through, um, in this case, largely a Zoom kind of set of parameters. And we just had some wonderful workshops with a guest artist, Tara Ahmadinejad, and she really pressed back against things that students might, might think are obstacles and tried to help them recognize opportunities around them. Marcus, how about you? I, um, at Temple, it's really, it's just, it's really great to listen to everybody because I've been at Temple for a couple of years. And when I came in, um, the directing concentration and directing program for, for whatever it was worth was basically defunct, um, had been, and had sort of fallen apart. And I was sort of handed the task of putting it all back together again. And I've been doing that over the last couple of years, which is a really interesting position to be in, in a place at a university the, of its size, like Temple is, and with uh, the, the incredible diversity there and, and, and in every sense to sort of rebuild it from the bottom up. And it gave me a chance to really look at, because I've spent the 35 years, most of my life as a working actor, um, and I directed too, and I've worked mostly made my living in television. So it's coming from everything in a very different perspective, from a business perspective, from a, the, the way modern technology and being able to have your phone in your hand, you can make a film, you can direct a film, you can act in a film, all, all different kinds of things like that. And what was so important to me in rebuilding it and what's really heartening listening to all of you talk about this is that that sense that what I found when I was looking at a directing program, one of the most important things was being able to create the common language of active um, participation, but also who you are as an artist. What I learned so much on the professional world was in why you tell stories and how you approach it and how you craft things was a way that I really wanted to integrate building a directing program at Temple. And it was so important to, to make sure that everybody was doing everything. So we make sure that all of our actors are taking the directing classes and all the directors are taking all of those classes with them as well. And technical classes, design, lighting, stage management. Um, and, and really to me, to be able to direct is the way to learn how to direct. Being able to do it is the way that you can craft and hone your vision and your voice. And, and I, I kind of looked at it building on like a, a three-tiered uh, basis of, of understanding the craft and the vision, both um, 
both visually and the vision for why you tell a story and how important it is to, to um, procure your qualities of being a leader and how you create an environment um, and how you create approach. Because one thing I discovered a lot, and I taught in California too, and, and with a lot of young directors I discovered too, was is that the, the lack of confidence in, in being able to do it the way they see it and the way they want to do it and doing it in a right way or a wrong way was something that was a stumbling block in helping them um, to procure who they are as people and as artists was a place to leap off. And that's, that's really not here nor there of, of what we do literally as a program because we do a lot of the same things. But sort of philosophically for me, it was how can, how can we support all of that um, and be able to bring and build a new program. We are watching the American theater confront years of tyrannical and unethical practices during this pandemic, especially in regards to racial bias and gender equity. Have these conversations landed on your college campus yet? And if so, what are you doing as leaders to implement these ideas and procedures for your students? Beth, let's start with you. You look eager to jump back in. I think that might have been from my conversation about our efforts to centralize the anti-racism of our curriculum and um, focus on both a more diverse set of um, texts, representations, opportunities, and also to, of course, continue the work, which we have done at least ever since I've been there, which is almost 20 years, of you know being well aware of the issues of white privilege, of the questions of access, and also of the, the, the overall, in the words of like somebody like Adrian Kennedy, the deathly whiteness of the sort of canonical um, Euro, uh, European American set of dramatic literature texts, which are often, you know, and have been part of our mainstream curriculum, which is partly why also a more performance studies umbrella allows us to try and both work with more global material and also struggle, as certainly I do, with how I can engage with that material and even teach it um, when it is not my culture, it is not my art, and I want to share it and try and support it without, you know, expropriating it. Um, and I think, you know, Muhlenberg has never been a place with a tremendously diverse student body. Um, the theater and dance program which department, which is the biggest major, oddly enough, at this college, has always had more diversity, 18, 20% people who would identify as um, other than white. Um, and so we're, we're seeing that as well in the production season. Um, I just literally just this last weekend watched um, performances in what we called the, the students called the Marginalized Voices Theater Festival. And it was entirely their work. They created it. They figured out how to stream it. They edited and um, chose pieces and had like 80 or 90 people each night for each of these sort of, you know, very festival-y kind of lots of short pieces. And I think that just you know, we're getting, first of all, we are getting out of the way for people who are ready and enthusiastic and passionate about taking some of that space. And we are also making sure that the material 
which we're working from and with is as diverse as possible. I, I was the chair previously, and I certainly made that effort, but it was inadequate, clearly. So we're working on that. Jill, go right ahead. I would love to to echo what you just said, Beth, about getting out of the way. Um, we have really been working to do that as a faculty ourselves um, at Marymount. And this summer, we had quite a reckoning with our students. Um, we made the mistake of putting up one of those very kind of I know, statements of um, allyship and our students of color and many of our white students said, that's not enough. We need a different kind of culture. It's not enough to just put words up on the internet. And we had a series of town halls in which we really heard from our students what they need, um, including the white students who we're trying to figure out how to make space and how to confront their own whiteness and privilege. Um, and so we had already been doing a lot of curricular work over the last two years and in, excuse me, uh, a lot of curricular work over the last two years in revising the curriculum and pedagogy, but we did it with great acceleration this summer. And we've moved to doing things like much more contentless scenes, contentless work in the first year of acting in the elements of directing class so that um, students bring more of themselves and their own experience to inform and construct uh, the material. And we have moved very strongly towards diversifying the content. Um, so for example, in our directing three class, uh, students have to submit um, three proposals for play choices they might want to direct. And two out of the three uh, must be a playwright who is female and or BIPOC and or identifies as LGBTQIA+. Um, and that was the case last year. And this, this coming semester, we agreed that all of those choices needed to comply um, so we've really, we've done work, but I think a lot of it is exactly what uh, Beth said, which is getting out of the way, giving the students agency, turning things over to them, and really figuring out how to have authentic dialogue. Um, and we're a very large program as well, and it, it's it's a struggle, but we've made good progress and we will continue to make more. Um, this is Elizabeth from Fordham. And I would say, yes, our experience has been very, very similar to the, to the ones you've been describing. And uh, also, you know, over the last few years, have really, you know, tried to make a, a large push to diversify the student body, the faculty, the curriculum, the opportunities, etc., and have made some headway on these issues. But indeed, as Beth was saying, you know, not enough. And also, we too, this summer had students um, really confront us with, by, they created a BIPOC student committee and really confronted us with a list of, of demands and issues to, to really, they wanted to have us make a great deal more progress on. Um, again, including doing a better job of diversifying curriculum, uh, creating more opportunities, um, uh, how we handle representation, all, all of those issues. And um, which was, you know, it was definitely, we, we it was a hard period for us to really begin to figure out how we were going to work and how we were going to address these issues and progress. But the, 
we've really made, I think, a lot of progress. And as you said, getting out of the way, letting the students take the lead in a lot of these initiatives, helping educate us. Um, and also, uh, we are going to be doing um, anti-racist training with art equity starting in the spring, and I think that's long overdue. In fact, all of Fordham is going to be doing uh, some anti-racist training, and and, uh, and I think the university has had some issues with uh, you know accusations of various racist practices or insensitivities. And uh, I'm sort of proud to say that just recently the university has actually put. Um, this work of dismantling racism at the very top of its strategic plan, which is a, a major shift in universities' uh, goals and um, culture. So I, I'm positive we're heading in a good direction. And Marcus? It's so great to listen to you guys, too. You know, the, 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 fun, the thing, too, is that because we're having similar issues at uh, temple with things. We had a big forum in the spring um, before COVID had happened with the students in a similar way that, that you guys are talking about. And what's so interesting, because Temple is, you know, they call it diversity university. It's so diverse, yet there seems to be so, we seem still to have to strive and work so hard to create opportunities within that when there's so much at our fingertips there. But from a director standpoint, it's, it's, there aren't that many students who want who of of diversity who who want to be directors and i find that interesting a very 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 small amount of people want to actually direct and i don't know whether what that where that all stems from do you know what i mean do you guys find that too or is it just the numbers sort of in the way things pan out or or do you do you guys see that too that that we that we want to see as as diverse leaders too that are that are leading and telling the stories or is it because we're not creating enough of the opportunities for giving them the kind of material or the form i i i find that one thing that is always really interesting of this huge diverse student body yet there's very 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 few people i could probably count them on less than one hand that actually want to be directors. I just want to take a second to respond to the comment uh, Marcus just made about diverse students um, not having enough of them who want to be directors. I think that is solely a responsibility of the institution that is recruiting them. Um, and what I want to say at large to this idea is that historically, um, people of color, uh, marginalized people, find success in opportunity amongst their own. We have black theaters, we have queer theaters, we have Latin theaters, we have Jewish theaters, we have Asian theaters, and the artists that um, support those theaters and move up the ranks to those theaters and learn craft through those theaters are doing so amongst their own because they are not finding transparent um, opportunities outside of those institutions. What we must do to attract those students is figure out how we can build sustainable, equitable trust, an opportunity to create a sense of security that those diverse individuals feel that they will learn and prosper at these institutions. But I have more to that answer. Let's jump back into the podcast. Thank you for that, Marcus. You are actually speaking to a question I was going to ask. I'll begin by saying the American theater at large invests a lot in playwrights, right? 
Um, so I believe artists of the future know that that is a viable option. And then let's look at high school programs and the investment is in acting. So they know that that's a viable path. Also, when we look at what has happened really in 2020 in the field at large, I think a lot of pressure of changing on the landscape is on the back of the directors because the the directors are um, the leaders. They're the first collaborator for the audience inside the room. Um, they are the first collaborator for what type of actors and designers get brought into that room. They have tremendous influence and, and decision power inside of a room. They are the capstones of what the culture is of a project. And with that being said, it makes me worrisome because why aren't we really spending our time putting an emphasis on the importance of this job? So it makes the work you do that much more important as you are uh, the first people who get to cultivate and attract these new directors of tomorrow into your program. Jill, go right ahead. You know, I was going to say that um, we have a lot of, although we have a, you know, a handful of students who come to us for directing, um, you know, that's how they apply. We get many more that we pick up as they continue on their track through the curriculum. And this is one reason that I'm very happy that we require every student in all the majors in the theater department to take that elements of directing course, because many of them, by taking that, realize, oh my gosh, I really like this, or I want to know more about it. So you have a lot of playwrights that then add directing, actors who add directing, um, you know, I have a lot of theater historians who add directing. So I think it's, you know, as you said, there's not real models for that, I think, pre-college. And it seems perhaps, I don't know, maybe beyond. <laughs> it seems very intimidating. But just getting into the room and doing the work is the thing that, you know, turns many people on to their love affair with directing. So you know, I think it's really needing to incorporate more practice of it um, as soon as possible in an artist's development. This is Adrian, and I, I think that goes back to your initial question, Neilan, about um, devising, right, in the sort of collaborative space where people can, you know, in in any one minute in a in a collaborative room, you're a director, and then you're a performer, and then you're a designer, you know, and just sort of the the exposure to that, the ability, the, the discovery that, yeah, I can do this, I might love this. Um, and your question, Marcus, Marcus, also makes me think of, I mean, I think this is a very obvious thing to say, but just um, maybe a little bit of a self-perpetuating place we've been in, which is, where are the role models? And if there are no role models, you know, whose shoes fill? Yeah. Marcus, how about you? I, I, I went to school in a time when, you know, Lloyd Richards and August Wilson it was the golden age, you know, and it was very empowering for a lot of people. And, and there was a lot of a lot of questions dropped, dropped by the wayside there because of the examples that those guys set. And there was a lot. And it's just in a place I'm, and I'm, I'm purely throwing it out there more as a discussion thing than anything else, because I'm I'm just interested in what people think in a place where there is so much diversity. There's so little people that want or feel the confidence, I guess, or the recognition to feel 
okay to be leaders. And, and, and I, and I don't, and I wonder whether it's, they don't feel as represented in the material in the curriculum, or I, I don't really know, but it's, it's interesting to me to, to see coming into it from this direction now. And yes, there are a lot of people that, there are people that pick up over the course of the time of the arc of taking the classes and all that different kind of things. But I have very few people to come to me that, that, that want to be directors from, from that, that angle. And I, I mean, I think that also goes back to, to high schools too, as someone yeah, mentioned. Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah you know, yeah, who's, yeah, totally. Yeah. The exposure there, the, the opportunities, the accessibility. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. Oh, I'm sorry. This is Beth. And I, I think that's a very crucial point, which is um, about uh, socioeconomic divides and access are these folks who've been able to go see a show at whatever large professional or even semi-professional um, company is in their area? Um, have they been to New York? And if they've been to New York, have they seen anything below 14th Street? <laughs> you know, um, or, or up in, you know, up with uh, some of the companies uptown that are doing more diverse work. I also think it's an invisible art to some degree, and the less access you have to it, the more invisible it is. In other words, if, if you have not seen a whole bunch of different kinds of shows and had people to talk to about that, I can totally understand that you wouldn't even know where its parameters are. Um, and I just think, lastly, it is a, among all the crazy, you know, performance-related uh, careers, it's it's really an elitist one or has been, right? Because in order to assistant direct for a while or in order to intern, in the past anyway, that has almost entirely been an unpaid series of positions. Jill, go right ahead. I also think this the students that I'm seeing just have a much more entrepreneurial idea of what directing is. So they don't want to come out and be a director. They want to be an artist that can do it all because they don't trust that anybody's going to let them in the room. They want to, I'm going to make my own work. I'm going to work, you know, with my friends as we get out of college, we're going to start our own company. I'll learn how to produce, you know, so I think they also, so many of them, and I, I kind of, I think I'm, maybe I put actors in a different category, but so many of these students come out and they just, realize they're going to have to do so many things that it's not that they want to be a director. They want to create art. They just want to create. And they know there have to be loads of skills there, um, which is very realistic. I, I, I find that to be very smart on their part. Marcus, how about you? Absolutely. And I think that's that that is that, you know, what I what I see, too, and I think that you're absolutely right, is that what can happen in the process of it is it becomes more result oriented in that sense. And and the, and what what I see lacking or, or being lost is that responsibility to the story and sort of the process of the craft in between, because you're absolutely right. But that's and I think that's part of the pressure, too. Um, that happens now with with trying to get it. and it, it's even harder than it was for 
those of us that are ancient now that 20, 30 years ago, you know, when it was hard back 30, 25, 30 years ago, it's even more because you have so much accessibility and so much technology and everything else going on with it now. And, and there was a time, I think in New York, you guys probably can relate to when people would go see off, off Broadway shows and there would be something really cool going on. And I'm not so sure how much those opportunities really happen as much anymore. And people take the time for it. I, this is Elizabeth. Um, you know, what I'm wondering, though, is if, you know, given where things are in New York now, if we're going to be heading back into a sort of a period where there is more opportunity. I have a lot of optimism that we're going to that we're going to be heading into sort of another, you know, period of off off Broadway creativity, you know, back to the Cafe Chino in the 60s. And uh, I just want to build on what the others have said about, you know, our curriculum really encourages um, the students to be self-starters, to work collaboratively, to be sort of entrepreneurs, and indeed, in, in the best sense of the word, in, in that of making their work and getting it out there and working together. And I, what, what Beth was saying about the shift in their program towards thinking of their students or creating a program that's more about them being makers than, than siloing, I think is also something that Fordham increasingly is interested in. There's a lot of conversation about that. And I think the fact that they're getting so much cross-training in their collaboration classes and other courses, I think is leading them to feel that the best path out toward the profession is working together to sort of make their own work. And I'm, you know, really excited to see where where that's going to go in the next five years. Uh, you know, when we see sort of where we come we come to at the other side of our, you know, the the, the, COVID, the COVID years. What's kind of what's on the other side of that um, in a kind of renaissance of New York theater making? I, I'm optimistic. Thank you, Elizabeth. That is a beautiful thought to end our discussion at. Professors, thank you so much for joining us today. That is all the time we have. Um, and hopefully this dialogue around equity, diversity, and inclusion at your programs pours out into the community. Uh, as you are molding the future, the future must meet and serve the needs of that community. If you are interested in learning more about these programs, please check out the description of this podcast for a link. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode of Talking Direction. Join us every week by subscribing while you're here. Also, let us know what you think. You can follow us and engage with us directly on all social media platforms with the handle at Drama League. Talking Direction is a project of the Drama League of New York, America's only not-for-profit, lifelong home for stage directors and the audiences who treasure their work on stage, in films, on television, and across the internet. During the pandemic, we're providing essential services to help theater folk and their families who are suffering from economic and health struggles due to COVID-19. If you'd like to join us in this effort, visit dramaleague.org and click donate or become a member. We'd love to have you as part of the Drama League family. Thanks again, and we'll see you soon.